Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com's Random Thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, the audio version. Hi, Winnipeg Jets fans, and welcome to my Random Thoughts for April 17th. And of course, the good news is, the Jets are in the playoffs. So let's get it started. Number one, the Winnipeg Jets went 2-1-0 this past week and punched their ticket to the playoffs. And the best part was, they did it with back-to-back wins on Monday and Tuesday night, saving their fans from the angst of waiting and scoreboard watching all week. The Jets finished the regular season with a record of 46-33-3 for 95 points. Very respectable, uh, even with that bump they had earlier in uh, you know, January, February, early March. They, uh, they got it done. Took them longer than most of us wanted, but we got it done. And just below, I show the final wildcard standings with Seattle, Winnipeg, Calgary, Nashville finishing in that order. And one of the, a couple of the things that stand out for me there are the Jets. They only had three loser points all year. Uh, they did very well winning uh, overtime games and I think they won one shootout. But they had 36 regulation wins. Calgary only had 31. And if you look at the overtime column, Calgary had 17 loser points. And this has absolutely been one of my pet peeves for for 10 years at least, minimum. And it's why I've been an advocate for the three-point standings. Um, I just think you need to be rewarded for more regulation wins. And you would get these guys, like, I mean, really, if you look at, if you look at the stats on that now, it's, it, 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 it equates to basically Calgary having 44 losses, and yet they were still in the hunt right until the last week. So, that's something that the NHL has to think about. Uh, every major sports league that does a points-based system has, you know, has moved over that way. But for re- for whatever reason, Gary Count Chocula Bettman is uh, he's not in favor of it. And uh, whatever, uh, one day they'll come to their senses. I guess a lot of it has to do with uh, the managers and owner and the owners in the league too. So we'll see what happens. But. Uh, Something I don't do very often is give an opposing team credit. But I have to give the Nashville Predators some kudos here. I mean, they hung in right until the last week when basically everybody thought they, you know, they they mailed it in after the trade deadline. Uh, you know, they traded Nino Niederreiter, to, obviously, to the Jets. You know, they traded Tanner Janot to Tampa Bay. They traded Matthias Ekholm to Edmonton. And they had Roman Yossi, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, and Philip Forsberg basically out for the for the stretch drive, and yet they still hung in there. And it just goes to show you what great goaltending and some hardworking young kids can do for your team. But uh, once again, I don't do this often, but uh, good good for good for Nashville. Moving on to number two. Well, this one I've been waiting to do for the past month. I've actually bumped up the uh, Winnipeg Jets playoff chart uh, the graph up to number two the Jets started off Monday morning having an 81.1 chance of making the playoffs and after their win versus San Jose on Monday night Tuesday morning their chances improved to 96.4 
And then they beat Minnesota on Tuesday night and hit the mark. Wednesday morning, 100% chance of making the playoffs. They clinched. Uh, everybody in Jetsville was happy. And like I said earlier, the best part is we didn't have to hang around and wait till the end of the week and scoreboard watch. So that was nice. Number three. There is a segment of Jet fans who were hoping the Jets would miss the playoffs and the organization would do a complete teardown and start from scratch. I understand their logic, but reality says it won't happen based on the history of, you know, Mark Chipman's and Kevin Sheveldayoff's running of this team. So let it go. It won't happen. Um, you know, this summer is, don't get me wrong, this summer is going to, there's going to be some uncertainty with a lot of the Jets players because we have so many guys that are expiring after this year. And we also have the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. Um, you know, bets are that uh, uh, the insiders still say that he's got his heart set on Montreal, but uh, maybe a good playoff run and uh, some extra coin in his pocket, uh, uh, maybe the Jets can convince him otherwise. Uh, maybe he enjoys playing with Kyle Connor and Mark, Mark Shifley. Who knows how long that carries on and if it's something that could happen next year. But overall, you can't just tear it down. There's too many good players still under contract that make this team competitive. So let it go. That's not true North style. They like to hang on to their players. They believe in their players. And the future of this team probably is going to be based a lot on what happens in this playoff run. Number four. Oh boy. I'm probably going to lose my shit on this one, so bear with me. Once again, Count Chocula's beer league officiating reared its ugly head. Tuesday night in St. Paul, Minnesota, referees Trevor Hansen and Johnny Bear, along with the linesmen Trent Knorr and Johnny Murray, let a very controllable game turn into a circus. Let's start with the hit from behind by Ryan Reeves on Dylan DeMello. Now that could have been a major penalty, but there was no call. I mean, his numbers were clearly right in front of his face, and he ran them from behind. Uh, major penalty game misconduct. Reeves is out of the game. No more further problems. And then we had what I called the sucker hit from Ryan Hartman on Nikolai Ehlers. Hartman was only given like a minor penalty, and it was a filthy cheap shot. And yet, <laughs> after review, the NHL, who looked at the same video as the two referees decided it was a one-game suspension. So, fuck. Obviously, somebody missed a call there, right, boys? Jets should have been on a five-minute power play. Hartman would have been out of the game. And the part that really pisses me off about these calls is the two referees huddle at the penalty box looking at their little iPad while the two linesmen sit there and pick their noses. Linesmen can help with the calls a linesman has the ability to call a major penalty if needed, but yet nothing from them. Maybe the linesman's input would have been valuable there you know, if one of them had seen it at real time. But to miss that call was pretty blatant. And, you know, once again, we always seem to be on the short side of missed calls, and it's getting really frustrating. And the next part that was just horseshit was, you know, the Ryan Reeves fight with uh, Adam Lowry. Now... In fairness to both, I don't know if Lowry wanted that fight or not, but obviously he dropped the gloves and went with him. 
I don't know what the mini coach Dean Everson's thoughts were on that, but why would you put Reeves out there? What was there to prove? And that's why Rick Bonus was so pissed off and why he challenged Everson at the bench there. You know, Adam Lowry's an important guy on this team. He plays big, heavy hockey, and with the playoffs coming, he's going to be very important to the Winnipeg Jets. You know, what, what if in the fight of Adam Lowry throws a punch, breaks his hand on Ryan Reeves' helmet? So we lose one of our top players because a coach puts out a knuckle dragger to fight for no reason. And this is where I have a problem with the linesmen. You were probably wondering why I, why I you know, mentioned them as being culpable in this whole thing. I don't know how many times we've been to hockey games and jet games also, where a couple guys drop the gloves, start jawing at each other, and the linesmen jump in before it starts. Why the fuck wouldn't they jump in there? Like I say, unless Adam wanted to go with him and said, no, let him go. You know, it, it makes no sense. The referees and linesmen could have jumped right in there and ended it all, gave them a couple misconducts, send them to the room, game over. Number five. This is for those Jets fans or so-called fans that think missing the playoffs is a good thing for the Jets. So in number five, I say, who could blame Mark Chipman and or Kevin Sheveldayoff for wanting the Jets in the playoffs? Owners and GMs always believe they have a chance once they punch the ticket to the dance, plus a few other reasons I list below. You know, number one, I say, you know, two or three games are extra revenue for the organization. That's big money. Second point is, you just never know how far you're going to go, even if the odds of it happening are against you. And then the third thing, for Chevy, it's about saving his job, although I think him and Chipman are attached at the hip. Yeah, you know what, people, it's a business. Asses in seats is what it's all about. Revenue. And keep in mind that the owners kept on paying players during the COVID years. They lost a shitload of money. I mean, the players lost some too because of the escrow, etc., etc. But the bottom line, it's a business. In number six, I list the Jets Vegas first round playoff dates and times. Uh, the first four are already set. And I have to admit, I was a little surprised to see an afternoon home game, you know, Saturday game three in Winnipeg. Uh, but the game that really pissed me off was Monday night, weeknight, 8.30. That's complete bullshit. That's basically a 7.30 start, comfortable time for Vegas. Where's our home, uh, home ice advantage? That game should be starting at 7 o'clock. Screw TV. I don't even know if TV had anything to do with it, but uh, to me that was ludicrous. Uh, number seven, I think the Jets got a pretty good matchup for their first round series just for the fact they dodged playing Edmonton or Colorado. Now with Seattle um, being in the mix, uh, there wasn't much of a chance we were going to play anybody in the Central Division because we weren't catching Seattle, but uh, it went right down to the very last game. And it's a good thing that Vegas beat Seattle to keep Edmonton in second place. I don't think I could have handled watching a series against the others and their constant fucking whining about penalties and watching them on the power play six, seven times a night. Moving on to number eight, the Winnipeg Ice will host the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL's Eastern Conference semifinal. Uh, they've already started this week with the Ice taking game one. And Moose Jaw gave them all they could handle Saturday night and actually squared up the series at one all. So, so going back to Moose Jaw, the Winnipeg Ice are going to have their hands full. Number nine, I am going to enjoy these playoffs. 
and you know hope the Jets can find lightning in a bottle because that's what being a fan is all about. You know, you never know what the future brings. A rebuild, maybe no playoffs for a few seasons is possible, even if it's a rebuild on the fly. I can't imagine the playoffs starting and the Jets not playing. I remember the empty feeling of watching last year's playoffs and the Jets weren't in it. And I don't want to see that again, so I'm glad they're in. Moving on to number 10. I think this playoff series versus Vegas will be very interesting. You know, especially for the players that were on the Jets in 2018. I'm sure Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, Nick Eaglers, Blake Wheeler, Adam Lowry, Josh Morrissey, and Connor Hellebuck feel like they have some unfinished business. And that's so true. It started out well for the Jets with them winning game one, but then they uh, they ran into a unconscious Marc-Andre Fleury who was by far the best player in that series. So we got a chance to get back at him, a little bit of redemption for some of these guys, and I'm sure the young guys are going to be jacked up to be in the playoffs. So, well, yeah, let's hope for the best. Number 11, Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois both wanted to play with Kyle Connor. So Rick Bonus put Shife on the wing, and they all said they liked the idea of playing together, and so far so good. But now it's time to get it done in the playoffs where it really counts. Yeah, it was uh, an interesting experiment. Uh, luckily, we had uh, Vladimir Nemestikov to uh, take over the second line center role. And, uh, you know, with Nikolai Ehlers and Blake Wheeler, they've made a, a nice complimentary piece. But now for the Jets to have success, they're going to have to carry it into the playoffs where it's a, a different animal. And... Uh, I think the top line offensively will be a challenge for Vegas, but I'm still concerned about Shifley's and Connor's defensive play. They're putting uh, a lot of pressure on Pierre-Luc Dubois to carry the defensive load. Um, from what I've seen in the, since they've been together, their defensive play has uh, been better. Shifley seems to be a lot more engaged. Kyle Connor a little bit more, but he's still a train wreck in his own zone. But... Uh, I have a funny feeling that this line could be dangerous, especially if we can get 2018 Mark Shifley back. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the guys can do. Number 12, I put up a new poll question for the next couple weeks, and it's as basic as this. Who was your pick for the Jets' night series? <laughs> Gave you two choices, Winnipeg or Vegas. I didn't, I didn't bother to add, uh, like, in how many games and all the other stuff. But it's amazing that, you know, especially if you're a regular on social media and especially Twitter, you know, if you look at some of the chat rooms, there's so much negativity. Now, all of a sudden, they're playing the Knights and everybody gives them a chance and all I'm hearing is Jets and Six, Jets and Seven, and uh, the bandwagon is fully loaded. And some good news, uh, Game 3, Jets' first home game, is already sold out. So, obviously, there's a lot more believers than there is non-believers and good on them. I got a funny feeling the, the whiteouts and the street parties are going to be uh, you know, full bore. So, it's fun times. Anybody that says, you know, they wish the Jets missed the playoffs and it's a waste of time and blah, 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 blah. They're fucking kidding themselves. This is going to be awesome. I hope we beat Vegas. I hope we stick it to them good so I can watch Gary Bettman wipe his tears for his love child in Vegas. 
Um, I actually picked the Jets in six in my bracket challenge, so am I a Jets fan? You fucking rights I am. Number 13 is my weekly question for Rick Bonus, Kevin Shevel Day Off, or Mark Chipman. This week, my question is for Rick Bonus. With the playoffs now here, what are your thoughts on matching lines? And, um, of course, he didn't answer this because it's a hypothetical question. But uh, coaches have differing opinions on this. Lots of coaches don't like to match lines because at times there's too much confusion with guys jumping on and off the ice. Now, of course, the home team gets the last change, so the, they'll control the zone starts, and they may match there for the home games. But a lot of coaches believe in each line playing the same way no matter who they're up against. And, yeah, I don't know if I particularly agree with that. Uh, it, it makes sense if your team is evenly balanced and very good defensively. Like a team like Boston, it doesn't much matter. But I'm not sure I would like the Dubois line to be going head-to-head -head with Eichel, although that might happen. I prefer that was Adam Lowry uh, and his line, but I'm guessing that's what we'll see in games three and four in Winnipeg. But overall, it's going to be interesting uh, for me, you know, it's not so much about the forward lines. It's how you match your defensemen. And when you get to this series, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, we kind of already know that, uh, you know, Morrissey and DeMello are going to get the tough minutes. And then probably Pionk and uh, Brendan Dillon are going to get the next. Uh, I'm a little concerned about... Nate Schmidt. <laughs> he hasn't been, he's struggled lately, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, going forward. Moving on to number 14, I have the uh, the final statistics on special teams and the goaltending. So, the power play finished at 19.3%, 23rd in the league, was up a tad from the week before, um, not good. Your power play, you'd like to see it at least in the top half of the league. But one thing I can say, the last couple of weeks, it has looked more like a power play. So hopefully hopefully they can carry that on into the playoffs and score some timely and big goals. The PK has been solid all year. Now they've been anywhere from second till sixth in the league, running plus 82%, which is outstanding. And actually, our face-offs have gotten better the last month or so as well. But we're still sitting at 21st and still below 50%. But like I said, it's been much better lately. Uh, moving on to the Jets goaltending, I'm going to start with David Riddick. Uh, he finished the year at 9-8-1 with a 2.67 goals against average and a save percentage of 9-0-1. Which, you know, looking at it on paper, looks acceptable. But to be honest, it wasn't. He's let in so many shitty goals. And a perfect example was the Jets' final game versus Colorado in Denver. I wasn't thrilled about his, his puck control or his uh, rebound control you know, on the first goal. But that third goal by Evan Rodriguez was a fucking muffin from the blue line. And I realized it was a game that didn't matter. But, I mean, the Jets had a patchwork lineup playing a Colorado team that still needed, you know, the two points uh, to clinch first place. And uh, our guys, give them credit, they played them tough. And we were in that game, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm hoping they beat them, of course. And when he let that goal in, I figured, well, that's it, because we don't really have enough offense to get back in this game. 
I don't expect we'll see David Riddick back next year. Uh, moving on to Connor Hellebuck. Another great year by Helly. I'd be shocked if he wasn't a nomination for the Vezina. Although I don't think he he's going to win it. Uh, Linus Allmark from uh, Boston has had an outstanding year. But Helly's final numbers were 37 wins, 25 losses, 2 ties. A solid 2.49 goals against average. And a save percentage of 920 with four shutouts. Connor Hellebuck is definitely the Jets MVP, and I'm not sure where this team would be without him. Uh, moving on to number 15, the good, the bad, and the ugly last week. Uh, we've mentioned all of these previously today, but the good was, you know, clenching the playoff series on Tuesday night, not leaving us hanging. That was awesome. Uh, the bad was the hit from behind by Ryan Reeves on Dylan DeMello. The dangerous hit, not a smart hit, and it, it could have been it could have been really bad. But luckily, DeMello bounced right back up, so good on him. And the ugly, we've already touched on earlier, but it was the officiating Tuesday night in St. Paul, Minnesota. You know, whenever I see the uh, the referee skating out. <laughs> For the start of the game when they introduced them, and I see Jean, Jean Hebert, I'm, I'm always a little worried, but uh, hopefully we don't see him in the playoffs. Before we wrap it up, I want to you know, give my thoughts on this series. I think we're fairly evenly matched, even though we didn't beat Vegas this year. Um, at forwards, I think we're basically even. Um, Vegas is a little bit deeper and a little better balanced than we are. Um, on defense, uh, the edge goes to Vegas. I think as a unit, there's six, seven guys that they put out there. They're probably the best puck-moving defensive core in the league. So we're going to be in tough against them. Uh, obviously, when it comes down to goal, I don't care whether they have Jonathan Quick or Laurent Boissois in goal. Connor Hellebuck gives us a, a major edge there. So, you know, that kind of balances everything out, and I think it's going to be fairly even. Um, moving on to an intangible, the famous Winnipeg Whiteout. Uh, obviously, returning Jet players have seen it before, but it's going to be quite an eye-opener for a lot of the young guys. Uh, a lot of the guys like Vladi Nemestikov. Uh, Nino, Nino Ryder has seen it as a, as a visitor with Nashville. But, uh, you know, Morgan Barron, Manalainen, Stenlin... Uh, Nate Schmidt, I'm sure he saw it. No, actually he didn't, because the year that uh, we played Vegas and we beat them at home here, he uh, he was winning a Stanley Cup with Washington, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You can hit me up on Twitter and tell me I'm an idiot. But uh, in saying that, yeah, the Whiteout's going to be awesome. It's something Winnipeg's uh, known for. It's pretty famous, and there's been a lot of imitators, but uh, nobody does it as good as Winnipeg. So... In saying that, go Jets, go. I'm really pulling for them. I want to thank everybody who took the time to listen to uh, this podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to doing one next week with the Jets being in a battle, <laughs> in a hell of a battle in this series. And uh, like I say, you can always catch our podcasts uh, at the home, winnipeghockeytalk.com. Catch us on Spotify. Amazon, Google, wherever you find your podcast, we should probably be there. So in saying that, uh, 
Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next time.